Hey, Mark, can you pass me that caviar? Oh. <laughs> Bro, all I've got is orange juice. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, we're going to talk about money today on New Polities podcast, and I am awful at money. My wife makes fun of me because I actually lose. I lose checks. I lose bills. Like, I lose, like, it just goes away. I lose money. Just um, like keys. So either there's a really good, yeah, or I lose everything. So, but it, but money is like everything to me, and that's means that money is very mysterious, like because it has this, these magical properties, it makes people powerful. What do you mean um, it's like everything? Well, like, like I'm, a lamp. Yeah, I'm saying to me, I lose it with the same uh, skill oh. with which I lose keys or or cars or everything else. So, you, so it doesn't really have the same mystery as as it does for. Or the allure What's mysterious as it does for most people. is that it's so mysterious. It's mm. like, wait a minute, I can just lose this thing on 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 the bus, and yet, and yet, it makes the world go round. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, well, that's probably a healthier place to be. Than well, but most, I'm saying that you people. you are better at this. So I think we're a good we're a good pair to talk about money. I'm a dunce, yeah, right? and you actually are more able to talk about money. You have a better understanding of it. You're actually doing your dissertation on money. Yep. Spoiler, he's not that fond of it. <laughs> <laughs> There's, yeah, no, I think it is kind of a fun pair because um, you lose money. I find it. <laughs> uh, you don't like thinking about it all that no, much. No, I don't. It stresses me out. I like thinking about it a lot. It's weird. Um, in part because I find it purgative, mm. um, that I grew up learning how to invest. Mm. You grew up learning real things. Some, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Um, you don't have a lot of money now. No. I have less money now than I did six months ago, but... You're working on it. I'm, I'm trying to get rid of my money. Yeah. And, uh, that's... That's a fun conversation in, in itself, or could be. Well, what we're talking about today is how to use money. Mm -hmm. And admittedly, I come to it with some ignorance, but I think it's something that Christians generally have this kind of blind spot um, with what to do with this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of has, if you follow New Polity for a while, you understand that liberalism, the society that we exist in, um, posits things as neutral, right? It's sort of its MO, mm -hmm. things that have nothing to do with God. Mm -hmm. um, so politics, public speech, these are things that we kind of remove God from in order to enjoy in a secular space. Yep. But one of the major things that no one really talks about um, is money. Money is considered to be this totally neutral tool. It's something that, you know, you could use for evil, you could use for good, maybe you use it for Christian ends, maybe you use it for pagan ends, but in itself, it's just a neutral tool of the state, a neutral tool of our sort of common life. It's Nothing been here forever, exactly. you know, it, it's not going away. It's pretty much a, a, you know, a pillar in reality. Right. Yeah. Right. And unsurprisingly, we would like to deny that claim. <laughs> it's not it's not just a neutral tool, but it's gonna take a while to get there to have a, a genuinely Christian approach yeah. um, to money. So maybe actually a, a first place to start is actually talking about what money is, even before we talk about how they use it. Okay. Um, can I guess? Yeah. Money is 
that feeling you get <laughs> when you can just do anything. <laughs> that's that's closer than yeah. <laughs> I'd like to admit. I okay, go ahead. What's money? Tell me. Well, money traditionally is that changes throughout time. It's not one thing. Mm. And this is something that people really need to understand is that there's not an essence of money that existed and manifested itself in the Roman period as it does today and the the Micronesian island of Yap uh, where they roll around giant stones for their money. Like huge stones, like six feet tall. Like that's their money. That's that was drastically inconvenience, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. I, th- <laughs> I think we should instigate the giant rock. Now, are you saying people are saying this? That yeah, money is a yeah. Kind of... And I think it's just common that most people, when we say, when we ask ourselves, what is money? Oh, 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 oh. For those on the podcast, we're filming. Jacob had a uh, gross little thing on his beard. And I didn't want him to get made fun of on, on YouTube. Wow. <laughs> So, but people say, so you're, you're saying sure that, that won't happen. <laughs> think, there's thinkers that say that money is an, like an essential, like an essence. Like it's always, yeah, that seems a little freaky. It is a little freaky, okay. but I do think that that is in our kind of common MO as well. Right. And just the average person who doesn't really think about money would look back in history or, or even if they were to sit down, they would try and start guessing it what money is instead uh-huh. of saying, oh, wait, which type of money? Mm-hmm. And and that really does matter a lot, whether you have that something that's unregulated by the government and is you, just metal um, or shells or the stones, mm-hmm. or if it's something that is utterly like a figment of the state's imagination that we all play along with, which, which is what we have now. We call that fiat money or debt money because it's worthless it absolutely is worthless if people didn't like want to take it uh because the state said that it was good to pay off it was it was legal tender right. to pay all debts then we would never have it ever so so there's a difference between um money that's made efficacious by our agreement versus mm-hmm. money that's made efficacious by the fact that the state says it's um valuable yeah or but you can even say that some things have value in and of themselves i mean i I would say that about gold actually Mm -hmm. but not so i wouldn't i wouldn't i don't want to make it out to say like gold is something so uh mysterious and special i just think it's really pretty it is yeah and and it is one of those things that's why we make um tabernacles out of gold rather than green paper yeah, exactly. I'm sure somebody's trying to make a tabernacle out of green paper. Oh my gosh, we live in weird times, dude. <laughs> Let's punch that kid. Um, I no, but I think that's it's true. And even you find gold is mentioned in the Garden of Eden. It's the only mm, precious yeah. metal that's ever mentioned in, in prior to the fall. And of course, it's mentioned as well uh, in Revelation at the end of times mm. when heaven comes. You know, these streets will be paved in gold. Mm. Um, there's going to be such an overabundance of beauty that even for the most mundane things, the most practical things, roads, uh, they will be shining forth with the splendor of the Lord. So I don't want to make it out to say, and yes, I know that there are certain aspects of of gold, like it's it's elemental and therefore every computer needs it to run. There's 50 bucks of of gold and everybody's computers um so if you're in a pinch yeah (laughs) if you're getting rid of your old computers open it up before you you trash it um and so so there's certainly some marvelous things about gold but i think 
there is just this universal human recognition and mimetic um, activity of, in our souls that just see that gold is really great and pretty and wonderful mm -hmm. and and we all need pretty great and wonderful things so in our lives. So that's the kind of money or, or something that can be used for money that has value in itself as opposed to value by agreement, as opposed to value by power. So exactly. what you're saying is there's different kinds of money. I get it. Yep. So I'll, I'll just add one other type or one other dimension to types of money in here is that you find most primitive types of money. If you look back in history and say, what what were the earliest forms of money? Of course, precious metals had, had a big place. But you also things like, find things like oxen and, and these shells, as I mentioned, and certainly those yap stones. And part of the re pigs were, were considered, I really like that one, that pigs were considered money at some point. But the reason was because this was what pig and temple societies mm -hmm. would actually sacrifice to the gods. Mm -hmm. But as a commodity, so it didn't matter whether it was a big ox or a small ox, malnourished ox, healthy ox, you just needed an ox to be able to pay off your debts to the gods. And it primarily was debts. There were Thanksgiving offerings that happened, but it was mainly if, if you were blessed by Zeus, then you had to repay him. And so you gave him an ox, you gave him two ox, you gave him, you gave him something that he wanted. Ultimately that transition to uh, like copper ox and like, so something that could stay in the temple for longer. And then, and then that, um, anyways, it, it, it ultimately uh, transgressed to all the, all the way into coinage mm -hmm. kind of from there. Um, but but there is always, even from the beginning, this religious mystical element to money that um, you find actually in the Judeo-Christian society a distancing from from this idea of the commodification of things. Everything that God created has its own special, unique place that cannot be replaced with something else. Mm -hmm. It has an essence that God designated and created and designed for a particular purpose. Mm -hmm. And so when the age of nature is followed by the age of law, as the medievals talked about the stage between or from, from Noah to Moses, you have this re-education in the law of, of how you should understand sacrifice, that you are not just going to sacrifice any lamb, but the one that is absolutely and utterly unique that mm. cannot be commodified. You're looking through your flocks all year until you get the one that is perfectly unblemished. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find more than one. Mm -hmm. And then once you do, you cherish it, you savor it, you bring it into your home. You make sure it doesn't get killed because it, it will be killed at a particular time in the year mm -hmm. for those sacrifices. So there is within this primitive understanding of money where all things are are interchangeable you mm -hmm. have a re-education of that in yeah. the law of moses to yeah. say and, I, and mm -hmm. I remember you pointing out in in the levitical law that if you were going to exchange one of your offerings for money that there was actually a uh increase like you had to pay more money than the thing was worth yeah exactly so there was a, a standard valuation that which was according to a certain weight of precious metal, it was a, sh a shekel, a shekel of the temple. And if you were to give your tithes to the priests at the end of the year in any, in not goods, not your grain or your animals, you would actually have to pay 20% more based mm. upon that valuation. So there's a huge, I mean, 20%, a fifth, 
Yeah. I mean, that is a huge demotivation to ever use money. And part of the reason why that is too, is that the way in which one object became standardized and universalized in a society to act as a medium of exchange was because the gods wanted that one thing. Mm. And so there's now God saying, no, I don't want just that one thing, mm. which um, of course it, it wasn't just the, the, the pagan gods asking for it. It was, it was the priests right. manipulating the system. Right, right. No, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, but I, I fear that we're already... Too theoretical. Not even too theoretical. We're just like, I, I came to ask... <laughs> what do you do with money? What, what I do with money, <laughs> and I got an explanation of money that tells me it's a sacred object uh, developed for ultimately the um, commodification of all things and then the amassment of uh, wealth into well, the hands of... Yeah, but I think cast. it, it you know, well, I think that does set us up well to be able to think through okay. what we should do with money. Yeah. So if the if the Mosaic law, if God's law was specifically designed so that we would not have this tendency mm. towards commodification, right. for thinking about all things as as an exchange for for something else, right. then the first disposition that we have to have towards money is that it returns us to the real rather than being stuck in the commodification. Right, right, right. right. So you can't see all things with their price tag. Um, yeah. You can't see money as a ubiquitous universal medium of exchange. Rather, money is can be useful. Yeah, I, I, certainly. I mean, just getting into it kind of slowly we've all known those people maybe we are these people who just you know they they constantly bombard you with price tags and you're like look at this look at this i got this for 5.99 or like can you believe what a deal i got i mean this was on such great sale where everything is is considered in terms of its price tag or you're taking a walk through your neighborhood and you see oh my gosh that guy must have spent a lot on his garden or how much do you think that house is or uh, wow the, new yeah, porsche the house valuing is insane i mean people you'll do something to your house and and you'll work really hard you'll put in a new floor and someone will be like hey you really added value to this yeah value to this house how much do you think it's worth <laughs> it's like bro i'm trying to live here <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i mean we're even yeah getting into uh redoing our bathroom downstairs and you know beforehand everybody was telling us don't worry don't worry you'll get the value out of this that you put into it when you come to sell your house it's like i don't know if i'm ever going to sell this house i'm, I'm just really... i'm just trying to poop yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the explicit language on New Polity's podcast. Scatological so. immaturity. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. so so, I think that's a first kind of safety warning uh -huh. for us is that we are supposed to value, truly value things for, for what they are and not what they could be yeah. replaced for. Absolutely. Um, but it also gets us to what, you know, we've kind of put together a few rules for money. And, mm -hmm. it, and our first rule for money, for how they use money, is to always know what money's for. If money is a placeholder for something else, mm -hmm. then always know what money is holding a place for. Right, absolutely. Don't, because otherwise the money becomes the thing itself, mm -hmm. right? I mean, this is just classic miserliness. I mean, we all pretend like it's just something that other people uh, indulge or have, but... If money really is just a brief representation, then the thing that it's supposed to represent should shine through it. We should yeah. look at $100 and think immediately of food. Yep. You know what I mean? Whereas I think that I think that money has this way of making 
the real world seem uh, secondary. Yeah. Like, well, it's food or maybe it's fun or maybe it's gas or maybe it's nothing at all. Maybe it's savings, maybe it's spending. And it's just like the real world dissipates and the thing you're left with is the paper. And yeah. so it all becomes savings right? and it all becomes capital too. I mean, this is something, again, I don't want to make this too complicated and I don't think it is. I mean, think this is very important is that the scholastics, medieval Christians had this distinction between regular money and capital. Meaning in the first case, it was just a medium exchange. It was this, it was something that you were going to spend to get rid of, to, to exchange for a real good in the real world. Whereas capital was something that was going to go into a new venture so as to get more money back or as to build up that venture with the hope of getting some more money back that you could do it again and again and then have more. And then, but, but this is the important part, is that you actually had to register part of that money, whatever amount that was going to be, with the lords. So as to say, this is no longer just regular money. Oh, wow. This is actually meant for capital. So it's treated differently. Wow. And today we don't have that legal distinction, let alone that distinction in our minds. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. And so money really does become just about anything at all. Yeah. Yeah, which is fitting for uh, liberalism, as we've said. Like, mm -hmm. um, it's almost a technological um, comparison to, like, the we literally call it the marketplace of ideas, right? Where, like, the point of liberal discourse is that it doesn't matter what the idea is, right? Mm -hmm. If it's really dumb, if it's really smart, if it's orthodox, if it's heterodox, the point is that we have a open marketplace where we can exchange these ideas no matter what they are. In a similar way with money, it's like it doesn't matter what we're doing with it, what it's for, like what we think of it. Um, it can be exchanged for anything. Right, right. right. You know, I've noticed that with money, it, it's less and less attractive to me to have a lot of it. So I know, I know, <laughs> I know that sounds like I'm lying, but what I've noticed is that people really don't seem to do very interesting things with their money. Oh my gosh. Besides... Ooh to either make more of it, which is boring because it's just, that's what you're already doing, man. Like, <laughs> um, but in a real way, I look at like the rich in our society, like the people that have money and I feel kind of bad for them because they live in the society, which basically limits what they do with their money to just getting bigger versions of what people that don't have money already get. Dude, it's so true. No, like you go into like a, you go, like you go into like a, a slightly more upscale, community right yeah like maybe it's got a gate maybe, <laughs> maybe there's a guy at the gate and you drive around and you start looking at the houses and you're like wait a minute this is the same like you know basic framed sided uh painted by lowe's house it's just really big right it's the same yard the yard's just bigger it's the same car the car is just a little bit bigger and nicer and and even the restaurants it's like you you have a scale of restaurants that you can eat at, but the point is that you're all eating the same. It's still a restaurant. <laughs> it's the same sort of distributed food. food. Yeah, like... or, or even if, you know, you start to make a bit more money, and so you start going to Kroger's or QFC and you start going to Whole Foods mm -hmm. instead. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the same distribution process. You're not, you're in the same mode, the same order of living. Right. So yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of friends who once they get their, their raise, you know, they stop paying mortgage on their current 
you know, 2000 square foot home and they start paying mortgage on their bigger 3000 square foot home. Right. And so there is this huge lack of creativity. I mean, even, but that lack of creativity goes all the way up to the top. Look at Warren Buffett, you know, once the world's wealthiest man still worth something close to around a hundred billion dollars. You know, he said that he should be taxed more than other people. And maybe that's, you know, right. Um, but it certainly demonstrates a lack of creativity when he just goes ahead and gives his money away, his charitable money away to government sponsored projects right. at the end of the, each year. I mean, Planned Parenthood is, is the biggest one, right, right, right. but it's it just the, the old question that we always asked ourselves, what would you do with a winning lottery ticket? What would you do with a million dollars? It's like, we, we all have the same kind of inane answer to that is, well, I would buy a cool home. I would get a cool car. Yeah. I would go on some sweet vacations. Yep. I would save up for my college and for my kids' college fund. And I would save the rest, invest the rest, and, and maybe give some to charity. Give some to charity. Give some to charity. But what charity? Yeah. Do you even know what charity? Sure. I sure. mean, that's pretty tough. Yeah. That's pretty tough. Yeah. So I think that what the church needs to focus on in this in in this age of money is not just you know how we can we ensure that the i think the lower classes are being able to budget better and figuring out how money actually works and the middle class stop wasting their money and getting up to their eyeballs in, in debt with with houses and cars to the point where they feel like they don't have any money anymore and for them even to relearn how how the budget instead of saying at the end of each month you know what we just don't have the funds for this instead of, of course you have the funds for this you have 50, 60, 70, $100,000 in the bank right now. You just have been told to, to save up for retirement. So you're not doing anything fun with your money and or important with your money. I use those terms interchangeably. <laughs> um, but also like actually instructing the, the rich to be true bearers, good stewards of their money, which means not maintaining it but spending it really well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is something that y you see in the gospels um, that is really tough for rich people to take because what Jesus asks is not the maintenance of funds, is not the kind of wise spending such that your sort of principle is never depleted that you always have you know, this big store of money. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually asks um, like the rich young man, for instance, um, to give his money away, yeah, to sink his money, to spend it, to actually do something. Separate himself yeah. from it. Yeah. 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 And similarly, um, you know, in, in the parable where Jesus is speaking about the man who uh, builds up, he's amassing crops he and, had a surplus one year, and yeah. so he tore down his barns and yeah. built bigger ones. So big ones. Then he dies. <laughs> and, and you fool, he's called. Um, but what's the problem? Well, the problem isn't isn't is that he wanted to just keep storing to keep amassing and and never put anything into a definite work. Yeah. I mean, the basic principle here is that money is for its use, mm -hmm. and this is what the church has always taught: is that you only own anything, money included 
for its use, right? That's what justifies it. And exactly. if you're not using it, then you're not justified in owning it. So the only point that you really ever own your money is at the point you use it. Right. Which is so funny. Yeah. But it is kind of one of these divine ironies, I think. Like God set that up for a reason. Well, but I think that's actually yeah. more like even literally true in the sense that when you're not using, and you've sort of opened my eyes to this, when you're not using your money, it's its value is still sort of tanking in, yeah well right now tanking but it's, it's it's always in the grasp of whatever system is making that money valuable in the first place within the state the bank yeah market um stock market etc um whereas once you spend it on digging a really sweet canal or whatever <laughs> that thing right um is not necessarily still in the control of um it's not losing. all of a sudden it's decentralized right, exactly yeah, yeah like it's still in control but now of very other other people which is the point it's for other people yeah that's exactly yeah. right and that's the whole point of owning anything at all is that you you own things for others mm -hmm. you know for the sake of others you know yeah. we um yeah we 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 own our house and this is you know i've my my son's godfather always always says that the reason why that God gives you a house is to fill it with other people, mm -hmm. you know. And he doesn't just mean multiplying your own family, which he's done a phenomenal job of, um, but but also filling up your house with with those who who need it, which he's done an equally phenomenal job of. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, everybody from from homeless moms living in their cars and parking lots to you know recovering addicts to uh, abandoned kids i mean this this family's pretty pretty to amazing you, yeah. to me even yeah to wayward oxford oxonian students um but it's uh yeah i mean this was this was the, that starts to get at the understanding of what private property is for and as money is private property for some time even though it circulates so frequently it it is still for you know your family and then for others, it's always for others. So that, and that is really at the heart of when Jesus is bemoaning those who save, you know, who are anxiously saving, he mm -hmm. says in, in Luke, um, which is a way of the nations, which never, you know, nations are bad things in scripture. They're only ever bad um, until all the nations come together in heaven when they're adoring the one Lord, nations aren't good. Uh, and and he says that the nation, this is the way of the nations, is worrying. And he says, don't worry about, about, uh, about how you will eat or how you will clothe yourselves. And he is speaking directly about mammon, about money in this, in this instance. Um, so, so there's, there's yeah, something money, important Money here. is um, troublesome because it's a way to try and be like God. And, and specifically in terms of a safeguard against worry, you know, you look at human life and it's contingent. It relies upon God. If he doesn't send the rains, the crops don't grow. We don't eat. We all yeah. die. Like the, the it, at its fundamental, most basic um, configuration, we need God. We are poor. We're all mm -hmm. poor. We mm -hmm. all rely on gift mm -hmm. in order to be. And so what money does is it gives us this moment is temptation to take away some of that uh, worry, you might say, that God-directed worry, which is really prayer uh, and, yeah. and supplication and thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and takes that away and says, you know what? Yeah, the world is contingent, but 
we've got this mechanism. And if you can get enough of this, right, then you can assure for yourself that if the rains don't fall, right, you'll be able to purchase. Yeah. Right? Or if, you know, it's a safeguard against possible disaster, right? So it has this great temptation because the only person that's actually safeguarded against disaster is the Lord. Yep. <laughs> he dwells securely. Um, and we rely on him, yeah. right? And so our uh, money allows us to try and have a new basis for security. Now, really, that basis for security is simply other people, um, whether through the expo exploitation of them or just a, a reliance on them. I mean, that's what money is. Yeah. No, I want to go. I mean, that's just such an important part. But I just want to go back to this idea of, of the land. I mean, any economy doesn't matter, you know, if you're in, in Silicon Valley or in Indiana, every economy depends on the land, mm. on actually being able to eat. Um, and that is the foundation in which God sets up his His own economy, the divine economy in in the law as well, where everything comes back to the ownership, the, the use of the land. And he says, if you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season and the land shall yield its increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And he, and he even goes so far as to say that this land-based economy, this under, that, that is thus makes God himself more of an active component player in the economy itself, or, or he's always going to be an active player in the economy. Uh, I mean, we're good because we're all based on land, but even in our own minds and yeah. in our own hearts, um, that he says that there will be no poor amongst you. Yeah. He goes so far as to say that in Deuteronomy, um, you know, and Jesus says, you know, in the Gospels that the poor will always be among you it means that people will always be stumbling and falling in hard times. But part of this divine economy is ensuring that that you, people are well taken care of through through the land and through the love and charity of one another. And God sets up a mechanism for that. So in, in such a way that if it's followed, the poor will always be taken care of. Mm -hmm. But no, but and so there is a component where people we do have to depend on people but money is a manner in which we don't even realize that we're doing that or sure. we're not doing that actively so when jesus condemns mammon in the in the new testament mammon comes from the same triliteral root semitic word root as amen does which you know sometimes have amen amen i say to you it gets translated as truly truly i say to you mammon itself means trust you know so what jesus is doing in in matthew 6 when he's is pitting mammon against god mm -hmm. he's saying which one do you really trust mm -hmm. you know and and it and it is a dichotomy mm -hmm. there's there's no way around it it is a dichotomy and, and it's so foolish to trust mammon rather than god because mammon can always be taken away from you by others mm -hmm. um i mean if you look at the kind of Andrew and I were discussing the kind of arbitrariness sometimes of the market um, where you can save up all the money you want. But the idea that that is somehow free of what Christ says, namely that it's a place where the moth can get to and rust mm. can get to. It's like, man, no, you're, the value of money can depreciate um, for seemingly, ma to me, seemingly magical reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know a little more. or at It's least, not magic at all. It's just... 
theft. Vicious. <laughs> it's just vicious. Yeah. But it's hard to trust in the providence of God over the providence of mammon because it is so impressive um, mm. what money can do. Once you establish the world that it completely runs on money, then having a lot of it makes you powerful. Oh, yeah. And this is what I want to point out. Is it's and that's not, not fake. No, 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 it's not. And it's not just a security. Um, it's also that to be rich is in some way to be like God. Now, what I want to say here is it has to be careful because yeah. humanity is in this really precarious position, right? In that we are told that we are going to be participants in the divine life, right? Yep. Two people tell us that, Jesus Christ and Satan. And <laughs> but the meaning of the two is, is entirely different. So we have to walk this knife edge, right? The serpent says you will be like God. And he means that we will be like a false image of God, right? Namely one that simply has power over. Whereas when God invites us into his life, he says, yeah, you'll be like unto me because you'll be gazing at me and adoring me forever. Mm -hmm. Now, when... Filled up by him. When the rich person, ha when you end up with money, and I don't even think a lot of money, I think any money puts mm -hmm. you in this, in this problem, is you always have this choice to be one or the other to be like an image of God, an icon of God, or like an idol of God. Yep. Right. And the way the way you can see this very clearly, like think about the um, curse that Adam suffers, right? You will toil for your bread. Mm -hmm. Now, once you have money, you don't toil. <laughs> Granted, somebody had to toil to get the money. Exactly. Maybe it was someone, maybe it was you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it was someone else. That you're mm -hmm. expropriating it from. But the point is, in the moment of spending, you don't have to toil for your bread. No, all of a sudden, like the, the hours that it takes to knead your sourdough are replaced by a few minutes when you toss your bill across the counter yeah. and get your bread back. Yeah. All of a sudden, it just, like magic, appears. Yeah, and, now, and, now, that, and now that we have the chips in our brain and we can just intend to Apple Pay... <laughs> towards the uh, device it's it really it feels very godly <laughs> no but seriously like you think about that that's an actual experience of superhumanity in the sense of like humanity has been cursed to toil for the bread we eat and here you have this experience of not toiling that there's no sweat on my brow and yep. i get the thing and and even even in that kind of really basic zeus kind of way mm -hmm. that we think of godliness like it's superpower right <laughs> money does that so for instance if i'm gonna like build my house which i could not i do not have the skill but were i to do it it, would, it would be laborious it would be years um, money enables the house. If you if you kind of forget that you're really what you're really doing is is using people to do something, um, the the actual transaction by which you're like, okay, hundred thousand dollars, and here's this house. Dude. Um, it really is a kind of godly. Well, to be honest, like uh, give a real real example of that. Yeah. What I'm thinking about right now is that, you know, we're we're uh, we bought, buying this building downtown. Yeah for a reason that we will announce soon enough. It's a very exciting new polity project. And I, you know, just I was going through it last night and I thought, okay, we have all the funds we need to be able to do the renovations. No problem. No anxiety for me. I just get to write a check and everything will be done at the end of the day. And I saw some problems, you know, further problems with some piping and such. And I was looking around at the place and I thought, 
I'm going to have to do have a lot more sweat equity mm. in this place than I thought. I'm going to have to be tearing down the walls. I'm going to have to help with some of the rewiring. Uh, oh my gosh. Like all of a sudden, like I don't have that godlike power to just, you know, mm. write a check and, yeah. and the building is just as how I want it. I'm going to have to spend some real hours right. in there. Right. And, totally. and that difference really, I mean, it's, it's powerful in our psychology and it's, but the predicament, I part of the predicament of writing the check is that we don't think about those who, well, there's two predicaments. We don't think about those who are actually doing the work mm-hmm. and they get waylaid like hardcore sometimes. Um, our, our, we're fanboys of a guy named William Kavanaugh and William Kavanaugh has articulates this really well in his book being consumed. Um, but there's also this secondary problem is, well, how well are we spending that money so as to buoy people up instead of, instead of waylaying them? And this is, you know, comes back to that problem of you are going to look like a God no matter what you do. There's no way around it. You will be godlike, but will you be that icon of, of the true heavenly father who gives good gifts? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to be an idol like the priests of old who would take take the food for themselves uh, from, from hungry families as, as the book of Daniel mm-hmm. narrates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so these are those, yeah. for, those are the first two rules of, of how to spend money. Well, the first is if money is a placeholder, then always know it, know what it's holding a place for. And the second thing is that if you are always going to appear godlike when you spend money, spend it so as to, look as if you are God, the father are participating in his rule. Mm-hmm. And then the third rule give so is to become a saint. But I yeah. think we should talk about that next time. Yeah. All right. That sounds good. You, you've one day <laughs> after years of listening to you, I'll know what money is. I probably won't have any more of it. It'll be good. All right. Thanks so much guys for listening to our podcast here. Uh, we're new polity. Uh, If you want to check out some of the articles that Jacob's been working on, um, specifically deconstructing money, showing it as a tool of the liberal state, um, then check it out on newpolity.com. He's been writing on the Jubilees. He's been writing on um, Caesar's coin, um, on the temple tax. That one's only in the magazine, though. So subscribe. And subscribe to the magazine for the good stuff. All right. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks. Bye.